Welcome back to the State of the Ark podcast. My name's Mike. My name's Kason. Okay, so one thing, um, I'm going to edit this uh, for the video that goes on YouTube at the beginning. Um, last week, I, uh, for the community stories, I referenced the Dream State saga. Um, and the, the name that I saw that jumped out at me on the page was here, Paul Mannering. But that he was not the author of these books. I, mm. I misspoke. And, and it's funny because in the topics, like the page that I had written out for us to follow when we look at our topics, I had written the correct author, who was Christopher Keene, on my own note, <laughs> on my own reference sheet. But I just saw the name Paul Mannering jump off the page at me while I was looking at this, and I said that name. Paul Mannering was, is this quote. But he even says in the quote, fans of lit RPG and video games need to be reading Christopher Keene. So Christopher Keene is the author of the book. Wanted to make sure that I just corrected myself there and made sure you guys know who the actual correct author of these stories is. So I will go ahead and throw that at the beginning of the podcast when it is uploaded to YouTube. Uh... Listen, um, we didn't get a ton of uh, suggestions. Well, we, we did get a lot of s- news suggestions, but they weren't things that I felt we could comment on all that much, or at least I couldn't. I didn't like think I could elaborate on them or add anything to them. But mm-hmm. feel free to always send us news suggestions on anything you guys would like to know our opinions on. Instead of doing that, I'm going to talk about Smash Ultimate because it just came out. Yeah. I'm going to talk about my feelings about the game so far. I have played it, I don't know, roughly about six hours, maybe? Six, seven hours, something like that. <coughs> since it was released. What do you think? Um, <clears throat> It's good. It's good. It's I'm good. liking it more the more I play it. At first, yeah. it was hard to get used to, but I'm liking it more as I spend more time with it. Um, then we're going to jump into our main topic after that, which is, um, are you blinded by nostalgia? This is a question that we, not a question, but something we are told that we are. (laughs) Everyone gets it. A lot. (laughs) Um, and then, uh, nobody sent us any community stories this week, so we're actually going to do community questions. Oh, good. I have a couple of questions from uh, some people in, on Discord. We're going to answer those. Well, from one guy on Discord, he asked us, he asked us two good questions. <laughs> okay, um, so let's talk about Smash Ultimate a little bit. Lady Pelvic's here. What's up? Whoa, what's up? How have you been? <clears throat> have you been playing Smash? Have you been playing Smash like everyone else? I have not been playing Smash, unfortunately. I haven't. I didn't pick it up. <clears throat> Dang, dude. Why not? I just keep thinking because it's like... It just doesn't feel like a one-player game. <laughs> and I don't have a ton of people around me I play games with anymore. But, um... You know, what's funny about that is that I've literally been playing it single-player for the entire time. <laughs> I haven't tried going online at all. <laughs> See, and I've, I, I need to get over that because there's, apparently there's a ton of stuff to do, and there's challenges, and there's the whole story mm. mode, and there's all this stuff that is just can be done just one player. But <clears throat> I just keep thinking, if I'm going to buy this game, I need someone to play it with. So, 
Uh, Lady Pelvic says, Joker and Smash, I did see that. That was announced at the Game Awards. Yes, that's, that's crazy. That's freaking crazy. So is this going to be like Cloud, where it's like, yeah, we don't care that he was never in a Nintendo game? Or is this going to be like a precursor to Persona 5 showing up on the Switch in 2019? I don't know. They're apparently still developing Shin Megami Tensei 5 for the Switch, so maybe they're that's right. So that company about porting it. It was on the PS3. It should be able to be on Switch, right? <clears throat> yeah, I know. I think it should. I th- I've heard the rumor is that there's like a golden version or like a reloaded Persona 5 reloaded that's going to show up on the Switch in 2019. But um, that's just people talking. I don't know that it, it comes from any reputable source. Who freaking knows? In any case, um, yeah, I am, as most of you know, very much a single-player kind of gamer. I, I don't play multiplayer games. Yeah. The one the one exception traditionally for me has been Super Smash Brothers. I would often go and compete at like in, in like the local scene and stuff like that. At uh, there was a game crazy that place is defunct now. It doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> I'd go there and I'd compete with all the local dudes, uh, <coughs> yeah. Kaysen and Landon and uh, Parker and my brother Parker. Steve, and we'd all get together and play it a lot. Um, I put at least a thousand hours into Melee. Melee was my jam in high school. Yeah, it was also it was also the only game we had on the GameCube for pretty close to eleven months, so that <laughs> helped. <laughs> Holy cow! Um, in any case, I love Smash Brothers. Uh, but I think that I love Smash Brothers yeah, for maybe a little bit of a... I don't want to say that nobody feels this way, but a little bit mm-hmm. of a different reason than a lot of people. And this is coming from... Are you saying you're special? I'm saying that um, <laughs> I'm I'm not like other people. I don't get into the playing with others, like sharing the experience. Yeah, I share it with the channel, you know, like talking about it and that sort of thing. But like actually like getting down and being like, cause my brother's the opposite. He's like a 100% social gamer. He like doesn't want to play it unless come over and like, let's get together and do this. Right. And I'm just so opposite when I, when I'm playing, I usually, I usually want to be by myself. Um, in any case, smash brothers for me, like, I remember when we rented it from Blockbuster, 1999. What, the, the first original one? Smash Brothers, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and we were playing that, and it, what really hooked me on the game, because we're playing it, it's fun, and it's like, oh, cool, you know, like, these characters we like or whatever. I was way into Zelda at the time. It was, like, I was obsessed with Zelda at the time. So right. I was playing as Link. and um, At the Hyrule Castle the, level with that weird yeah. tornado that goes around. Yes, exactly, right? And... <laughs> When I, when I really got hooked on it was when the new Challenger approached, and it was this outline of this little kid with a hat. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was like, who is this? Yeah, what? Who is this character? What What is this, right? I had no idea. I'd never heard of um, Earthbound and learned about one of the great RPGs of all time through this crossover project, right? And, like, Melee carried that even further by introducing me to Marth and Roy from the Fire Emblem series, and you'd get all those trophies. That yeah, would that was background. cool, seeing new people you hadn't heard of before. Yeah, yeah. and it was like, <clears throat> holy crap, like, for me, it was more of a, um, 
like a like a an ed, it's like an educational experience. It's like a game in sure, history yeah. sort of like unfolding before you and you can like learn about all these cool characters and these yeah. cool games and these cool worlds that you didn't know about, right? But not Waluigi. Not right. Waluigi. I would I would say the same probably would have been true for Smash 4 in a big way for me. Oh, yeah. Had I not already been very involved in trying to get Xenoblade localized, right? Like I was right. emailing and snail mailing Nintendo and calling Nintendo like daily to try and get that. But if I had not heard of Xenoblade and had not been working toward that and I had seen Shulk, mm-hmm. I'd been like, oh, what's this? And, and I would have learned about Xenoblade, right? Yeah, it so, would have been that kind of thing. To me, Smash Brothers has always been about like <clears throat> this this crossover experience where you can kind of just like learn about all this cool gaming history that you might not have known about. And Smash Ultimate has the promise to have that just to an astounding degree, just beyond like, <laughs> like just all these characters from Castlevania and Metal Gear Solid and Final Fantasy and just all kinds of stuff, even just outside yeah. of Nintendo properties, uh, Mega Man and Sonic the Hedgehog. And it's just, it's crazy. There's just so yeah. many, right? Um, and so the adventure modes for me, I've always really enjoyed them because a lot of it has to do with, well, in the past with the collectibles, you get the trophies and you, you read the descriptions on those and, um, uh, you know, they, they, do, they have really clever ways of sort of like introducing you to a lot of characters and worlds and stuff that you might not have known about. And this is no exception. Um, they've replaced trophies with the spirits. Right. And uh, you sort of equip the spirits to give you different bonuses or resistances in certain fights. For example, there might be a stage where, like, the floor is sticky. So if you're if you're touching the floor, you move slower. You don't jump as high. Um, and and you can equip a spirit that will make you immune to, like, a, a sticky floor. So you'll be able mm-hmm. to move normally. Um or, you know, they'll be able to increase your strength with melee attacks like like punches and, and kicks and that sort of thing. Or give you defense against, you know, different types of stuff. So you just sort of like go through and there's just tons and tons, hundreds of these sort of fights where you collect these spirits. And then you can sort of combine them in different ways to give you strengths against the, the enemies that you're going to be fighting resistances and and all that sort of thing so i've primarily been playing that and um Hmm. i I have to say that in my opinion the cpu is a lot tougher oh really smash than it's ever been before Ah, um like i i busted it up to a level seven cpu today just to like sort of test myself a little bit and like it was challenging and and for me, it's always like you go up, you go straight to level nine. Always, CPUs. that's how it's always been for us. Yeah, yeah. You go straight to level nine <clears throat> CPUs, and even then, I might have a couple of level nine CPUs against just me, you know, like just to practice yeah. or whatever. And uh, so far, it has seemed that the CPUs are pretty darn good in this wow. in this version of Smash. It, a- AI so is usual. getting better. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's just that. What what I have noticed is that they almost always have perfect spacing, right? So mm. I main Marth for the most part, and Marth 
is a character that you try to keep at the tip of his sword edge yeah, yeah. length away. Like you keep them away because you want to hit with the tip all the time because that's where it does the most damage. So he's a, he's very much a spacing character, um, and he does the most damage when you're when you're spacing yourself correctly. And the CPU always seems to know how to be just outside, just outside of, that, yeah. of my of the tip of the sword. And so like mm. I'll 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 make my swing and then they they just grab and they just like they, they swing in there so fast and wow. It's just it's just really it's been tough. Um of course, you know, I've only been playing the game for a short amount of time. Every new smash that comes out, it feels a little different than the ones yeah. before and it takes time to acclimate to it. And I felt like that has been true for me. Uh, more so than it was for Smash 4. Because I remember mm. moving from Melee to Brawl was like a huge difference. I was just like, whoa, my timing is way off. Because um, I would I would main um, Fox a lot back at that time, uh, especially mm. in like Melee days. And like running up and like getting the up smash from the ground is and then, and then jumping and doing the um the double the, kick the, the, the double kick up in the yeah. air yeah that's like one of his best uh ways to um basically get kills is to mm. up and then boop, boop, just like straight up in the air um and i could never get the feel for that quite right because my muscle memory was so stuck on melee speed <laughs> right that moving over to brawl was really hard for me to like get feel for that um but when i moved into smash 4 i felt like it came a little easier like i felt like the flow of the game a little bit mm. um of course it's no not even close to being like similar to melee's like flow or speed but i just kind of i sort of like f got into it quicker and I feel like with Ultimate, that has not been the case for me. And I want to know if anyone else thinks this, right? Anyone else who's playing the game? I feel like they've changed DI, um, directional influence, somewhat. Like, I feel like when you, you take, a, like, a big hit and you're flying really fast, mm -hmm. you know how you can hold, you hold the in the direction. opposite direction yeah. and it slows down, mm -hmm. right? I feel like you slow down a lot faster really in ultimate than in huh. smash four and this might just be me misremembering it but it feels it feels it felt at when i first started playing like the physics were different somehow with the way you fly you don't fly well, as sure, far i'm sure yeah they've made a lot of changes so um Anyways, I, I was just curious to see if anyone else had felt that way, because I hadn't seen anybody saying this online, but I felt like directional influence was t uh, tweaked somewhat, <laughs> and that in some cases it feels like it's a, a little harder to, or you don't, you don't fly quite as far, it's not quite as easy to get kills as in previous ones, but I could be wrong about that. I am using Marth, and Marth, um, for the most part, is getting easier kills for me in this version than in Smash 4. I didn't actually main Marth in Smash 4 or in Brawl because they really um, nerfed him from Melee. Melee, he was like one of the best characters. And I feel like they weakened him a lot. Uh, but he's he's able to get kills at lower percent, I've noticed in this one. So I, I think I'll be able to main him more easily now.
You know, it's um, funny because people who played the game back when back from the '64 on, mm-hmm. I, it, it, like one of the one of the fun things about it was switching your character and trying to get good at everyone. Yeah, and ever from melee on, that has been very difficult. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard. Characters that are, and it's I think with really ultimate, hard. it's just like okay, just pick like four or five <laughs> people, get good at them. Yeah. And, don't worry about playing with everyone. And I, that was, that was kind of bothered me with uh, melee and brawl. I always wanted to get good at every single, character. Every, at every character. Yeah. And you just, I don't think that's even possible now. There's like a hundred characters now. So it's like, I, I don't think that's possible anymore. When I first started before I even started the, um, the adventure mode, I, um, I tried to do that. So I just started some regular smash uh, matches you know, because when you when you play for a certain amount of time, the challengers will just come up and then you just unlock them by just playing over and over. Yeah. So I was like, OK, I'm just going to switch off. I'm going to switch off every time. Every new match, I'm going to play a different character and just get a feel for how they all work. Yeah. And my level of play just just plummeted uh, switching like that. Like I I yeah. cannot I cannot play as freaking Mario. I suck as Mario. Mario um, has always been the hardest one for me too. <laughs> Mario, weird. I cannot play as Mario, dude. I don't know what it is. Like, he, I just yeah. don't get him. Um, funny enough, though, the the heavier characters who I almost never played mm-hmm. back in melee days, like um, like Bowser, Donkey Kong, I actually Indeed. do all right. I do all right with those yeah. uh, characters. Um, but anyways, I was just really struggling, so I was like, I got into the adventure mode. The CPUs were harder than I had expected them to be. And I was like, I got to play with someone that I feel like I can win with. And so I sort of just stuck with Marth. But I finally unlocked, I've unlocked like 68 of the characters now. Because um, I found, if you guys don't know about this, I found a really, really awesome way to really quickly unlock characters. Hmm. So you go into a, a, just a regular, you know, smash match. And you play that for, I think it's like 10 minutes of time that goes by. And then they, they'll they let you have like a new challenger approaching, right? So that's the idea. So you play for 10 minutes, new challenger. You play for 10 minutes, new challenger. But right after you fight the new challenger, whether you win or lose, if you exit to the main menu of the Switch and close the game out and then open it again and go back in and do another match, they'll come right after that match. So it's almost as if the game is thinking the time has passed and now a new challenger is supposed to come up. So you can just continue uh. quitting out and then going back in and quitting out and going back in and just set it up so yeah, it's a one stock against like a level one CPU or something and just kill them really mm. fast and then a new challenger and then you quit the game and go back in, kill the guy real fast, new challenger. And you can unlock mm. them way fast. Um, anyways, I I have like 68. I think of the, I think 75, is it 75 total roster or 74? But some of them are like duplicates, right? Well, well, they have the, what do they call them? The echo fighters or whatever. In the, yeah, I think they, they include that in the number. So I think it's like 74 or 75 total. Mm. But um, what I really wanted, I just wanted to unlock cloud. I just wanted to unlock cloud (laughs) really bad. And it was like fighting a guy, fighting a guy, fighting a guy. I was like, when is Cloud going to come up? I just kept doing that. And it's like, it was not coming. It was like number 65 or something. Oh, yeah. Finally, Cloud came up. I was like, geez, dude, like, frick, finally. 
But um, I'm gonna start using him more. Um, trying to like learn how to how to use cloud, but I've unlocked pretty Cloud much was one of the favorites in four. He was. He was really good. The, one of the most uh, effective characters. <clears throat> I um I work for GTX. Uh, some of you guys know that they they it's a big like Smash tournament basically. Um, and yeah, uh, Bayonetta and Cloud are two of the most common characters you see used in Smash Four on the mm. highest level. Though. Uh, it was really cool to see um, Elegant get all the way to a finals with a Luigi. That was really cool to see. With Luigi? Almost no one saw that coming, but dude, it's really good with Luigi. Um, nice. In any case, uh, overall thoughts on Smash are that it was a little hard to get used to at first, but like I'm starting to feel the flow of the game, and I'm really, really, really enjoying it now. I really like it a lot. Um, however, I do not like the theme song, (laughs) (laughs) the, the, like that plays on the, the opening title of the game or whatever, you know, they always have like a really like intense, like, um, like building sort of like theme or whatever, almost militaristic in sort of like the percussion style. And, um, they have like a vocalist, like a singing I think it it sounds really similar to the vocalist, uh, whoever it was that sang the main Mario theme in Mario Odyssey. I don't oh, know if yeah. it's I don't know if it's the same woman, huh. but she has like a similar sort of tone in like the way jazzy. she sounds. Yeah, huh. I don't like it. <laughs> it's it. I don't like it at all. It's really it's the, the only thing I can say that I don't like about the game so far is that. Um, overall though, I'm I'm a fan. I'm really getting into it now. I think that uh, I think it's going to be an amazing, amazing game. But cool. I've only played about like five or six hours, so I, I can't really say too much at this point. Um, okay. Before we move into the next thing, I have to say Chocolate Rob, Within Temptations, one of my favorite bands ever. And mm-hmm. The Heart of Everything is like one of my favorite albums ever. Nice. That's all I got to say. Apparently they had a live Twitch stream concert that I missed. Oh, one thing I was going to say, mm-hmm. um, Lady Pelvic had brought up um, Joker yeah. being announced as one of the DLC characters. It would be stupid, but I would totally not be surprised if they put Noctis in this game. Oh, <laughs> if Square no. Enix, if Square Enix like tried to like work another uh, Noctis or Final Fantasy 15 crossover. Cause he was in, uh, <laughs> it was in Tekken, I think. <laughs> it wasn't Tekken. What was All he? All these in? crossovers, dude. Holy cow! Was it Tekken yeah, or was it Soul Calibur? Soul Calibur. I think it was Soul Calibur. Anyways, and then like they they did a ton of crossovers with within Final Fantasy 15 as well with yeah, Nier Automata. Oh, there's things in Tekken. Tekken. Yeah, 7. Tekken Seven. Wow. I swear. Yeah, I would rather see two B as well. Like that would actually be. Kind oh, of cool. for near, yeah. Yeah, that would be cool. I think she'd be a cool fighter to have. There are a lot of swordsmen in the game, though. So. Yeah, but they're all know. from the same game. They're all fire. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't know. I would rather if if Square's going to put another character in there, I would rather see Gino from. Yeah, me too. Super but Gino's a spirit, so. 
I don't know who knows if the spirits are eligible to become players as well. Uh, that that he must been that, my vote. You for could a long be time. right. You could be right. If he is a spirit, the spirits and fighters are separated. Yeah, but they can just mm. make him into a fighter. I don't know. Um. Well. Anyways, let me know what you guys think about it. Who are playing it so far? One yeah. thing I want to look up here as we segue into. Um, our next topic, speaking of Super Mario RPG, Cason, uh, yeah, I believe your favorite game of all time is Super Mario RPG. Correct? That is correct. I haven't revisited my favorite list in a long time, but w- were you aware that you would ha- this would have to be your first RPG to be impressed or nostalgic for this game? <laughs> um, according to Mitchell Baker, on your Super Mario RPG review (laughs) so so the funny thing about that so square enix did this thing when they were developing it was the team that was making project octopath or something like that square enix a couple years back said hey guys we want you to get familiar with some of the classics within the company um as you're developing this new game so they were allowed on the company's time to play certain games that square enix had made in the past to familiarize themselves with the systems going forward to make new games right and it ended up becoming a problem because Super Mario RPG was so good and so fun that they were playing that game, that specifically that game, way too much, and they weren't getting as much work done. And so the company had to end the policy of letting them play old games. <laughs> but apparently it was just this thing that like, oh, hey, let's get, but especially since they were making, <coughs> I believe it was Octopath, but it, this could be um, the team that made uh, Winter or... Um, Sphere, Lost Sphere, and those, oh, those games. Yeah. Um, it, I can't remember exactly what team it was at Square Enix, but they were trying to do that. And they were, Mario RPG was like, that was the one that people were freaking out about. So I disagree with Mitchell, whatever, whoever that was. Um, even <laughs> well, within Square, man, that game still holds up and people love it. Can't stop playing it. So I played Super Mario RPG for the first time last year. Hmm. Um, well, I had dabbled with it in the past, but I actually played it beginning to end for the first time last year yeah. on our Patreon streams, and I loved every second of it. It's so, funny, it's fun, it's innovative for its time, it's 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 just a good game. So I disagree wholeheartedly that the game is only impressive if you were there when it came out and you have a nostalgia for it, but it brings us into... But I was there when it came out. <laughs> It brings us into so, our main topic. Are you really blinded by nostalgia? So, this is one of the most annoying things. Everyone knows that I hate when when the word overrated. When someone's like, "Yeah, that, <laughs> that game's overrated." Like, I've I've gone off about why I hate that. Right? Mostly, yeah. it boils down to the fact that it's it's a lazy dismissal of something. You aren't actually, like, um, engaging in any way in a conversation to explain, like, your thoughts. You're just trying to, like, make a blanket dismissal of something and be like, that thing that you like, you shouldn't because it's not as good as you think it is. Without any qualifying statements, without any, like arguments being made or any data or anything like it's that. it's just yeah. a very very 
annoying thing that I come across that really grinds my gears. And you're blinded by nostalgia is probably even worse. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so what is nostalgia? I mean, like nostalgia, we, we all know like basically what the term is, right? I think that it came into, um, like, the, the term was coined in, like, the late 1600s by hmm. um, uh, someone in the medical field who was dealing with soldiers um, who were really, really homesick, basically. They were so homesick that he considered it, like, a disease. Like, that's what mm-hmm. the theory was at the time. Like, they're so homesick... They, 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 they're affected on such a level that they can't um, yeah. actually serve. So they had to be sent home because they were useless, like, out in the field. And he, it, it comes from two terms, uh, both Latin, um, one being homecoming and the other being, like, a pain, essentially, like a combination of the two words. So, like, a, huh. a longing for or a pain for um, – a homecoming or going back home or something like that or for the past right well that's interesting it's kind of where the the term came from um and you know as as science and medicine has moved into more empirical methods in later years it's not obviously it's not a disease uh, it's something that like we all experience and it's not it's almost more often a, a positive association that we have than a negative one. There is like a, a sense of like a sadness and a longing to go back to a time, you know, before, but like usually it's associated with, oh man, that was so great. It's a good memory that you have that you that you long to return to or to reminisce about, right? So it this requires a separation of time and not and not a small one <laughs> it mm-hmm. requires that you are separated from this event by quite a, a, a large space of time generally um now the way that we form memories it's actually really interesting i was kind of looking into this uh, in preparation for talking about this today mm. you create uh, like there's like a spike in like the memories that you create in your life in your adolescent years between about the age of like 14 15 through uh 30 about that that time in your life you your brain creates and and stores more memories than at other times in your life there's kind of like a spike there so generally when you're looking back later in life most of your memories are during that very um formative period of your life when when you're you're sort of discovering your own identity and so like the music you listen to the things you engage with, the friends you had, the places you were, were all such big pieces of, like, discovering who you are. And and that's that's so personally relevant to you that when you look back on that, generally, you you, you store and remember and, and re- reminisce on good memories more so than bad ones. Right. And so you, you'll usually remember things more fondly sometimes than... Maybe they really were. Um, you know, you tend to bury the bad things and really, like, focus on the good things, at least in in this in the way that nostalgia works, the way that nostalgia works in the brain. Um, so this leads to people saying, 
you're going back to a game you played when you were a kid or you were in high school or whatever it was, and you're remembering it better than it actually was because it was during those formative years. There was a lot of excitement at the time. You've forgotten the bad parts of it, and you've only remembered the good parts of it, right? This argument holds no weight whatsoever for what we do on this channel. So anyone who ever says this to me (laughs) for, like, a game that I'm reviewing in the modern day that – in 2018, I reviewed Vagrant Story that came out in, like, 1999 or whatever – yeah. That means I played the game this freaking year, people. Right. I played the game just recently. It's this is not a divorcement of of time from a thing, and I just don't remember it correctly. I just freaking played the thing, right? right. So, it, what drives me crazy about people saying like, "Oh, you're looking at that through rose color, rose tinted glasses," or you're, you're just blinded by your nostalgia? It's like, mm-hmm. no, dude, I just freaking played it. It, that would be like, imagine going up to like an NBA basketball player, being like, "Dude, the only reason you like basketball is because you played basketball as a kid. The, the <laughs> basketball actually sucks, and you just you're just blinded by nostalgia." It's like, "Dude, I play basketball every freaking day. Yeah, <laughs> I play it every day. I'm like Still. intimately familiar with the game. I'm not misremembering it." you know what i mean like i can't be blinded by nostalgia for something that i just freaking did this afternoon it makes no sense whatsoever i think you bring up a really good point talking specifically about the memories it does does a preconceived notion of something before you jump into it affect your enjoyment of the thing the second time around and i it does affect it but sometimes it actually affects it negatively like when you think uh, I saw the show Rocco's Modern Life recently, right? Now, if you guys were watching shows back in the 90s, you'll know what I'm talking about. That show was wonderful, right? But I watched it it's from like 94, I think. I watched it a couple of years ago and it had really slow pacing. It, it's not a very good show is I guess what mm-hmm. I'm getting at. And I was able to see that at least in part because my expectations were really high because I remember it being really good. And so my expectations for experiencing it again were, were up here. And the show is like, not actually, it's not a very good show. And uh, it's, it's hard to admit that. But uh, because my expectations were higher, I was actually disappointed watching it again. And I've decided I'm not watching another episode because I want to leave all that where it is in the past, where it belongs in my memory. <laughs> I don't want to bring that up again because I'm going to feel, I'm going to feel bad because the show's not as good as I remember it. Um, a lot of times when you've got something from the past that you play again now, you you do. You see all of the problems with it that maybe, you know, it could be nostalgia that you were remembering it from 20 years ago. But once you play it again this year, you will probably actually be disappointed <laughs> in the game because that's what happens when our expectations are built up really high. Now, for some people, it's such a part of who they are that while they're playing it today, they are hearkening back to how it felt the first time they played it. Like there is something to be said about that for sure. Um, I just don't know. Well, you you, you just brought up to make about that. You brought up a good point just now. Like you have the 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 capacity to take something that you loved as a kid and look at it 
in the modern day and go like, that isn't actually what I remembered. You, and it's you, hard to, to admit that. <laughs> to, ad, to admit it, right? But you, yeah. you did. Um, I actually, as I was going through and um, doing some stuff on some older videos this week, I, I ran across um, a video we made about Star Wars games. Um, it was uh, around the time that I think Rogue One was coming out or something like that. We made a video about our favorite Star Wars games. <clears throat> yeah. And I talked about games like Shadows of the Empire and um, <laughs> specifically for me, Rebel yeah. Assault 2. Okay, sure. Because Rebel Assault 2, I, I literally adored that game as yeah. a kid. I thought it was amazing. I thought it, it was like one of my favorite games at the time. And I played it like every day. Um, that game sucks. <laughs> like it's not a fun game and it's yeah. it's got a, some really really puzzling design decisions like the drift that they built into certain levels that you have to fight against when you're trying to like use the mouse to fly your ship um it's pretty cheesy it's not it's not a very good game um but there, there, i'm able to admit that like i can i can look at something that i used to love as a kid and i can look at it today and go that's not as good as I remembered it at all. However, that's not the case for Final Fantasy VII. That's not with the case game, with Mario RPG. Exactly. For Mario RPG, that's not the case. <laughs> These games legitimately are that good. They, they are. are well made. Uh, it does bring up a question, though, is that sometimes you'll experience something old that isn't very good, but you'll do it in order to remember the feelings that you had about it. And despite the fact that it's not good, you will still kind of yeah. like it. Right. Yeah. Now there, there is an element to nostalgia there, but, but there has to be an, an admittance in your head that what I'm watching, I'm not watching for quality reasons. And mm -hmm. one of the things that I always think of when I think of nostalgia, especially in the negative sense is, and I, I don't think he's watching right now, but there's a wonderful movie called The Hero of Time. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> I don't know where it is now. You guys should find it and I, watch it. <laughs> I have it on a couple of the hard drives. Yeah, I've got it. I downloaded it right away because I knew they were taking it off the internet pretty quickly. But um, it's the first like Legend of Zelda fan film that had a very limited theatrical release, right? And Nintendo basically contacted them and said, delete this thing forever <laughs> all for all time from the internet forever and um it's not a well made film however how many times do you think we've watched that movie oh like? at least 10 15 at something least like that. 10 yeah and we're in double digits here i can't even count <laughs> on my fingers how many times we watched it and were i to say it's been a few years were i to invite you to watch that movie today like would you yeah, uh, yes, I'd be all I'd over it. Watch it again. <laughs> yes, but we should do that. By the way, we should do it. It would be freaking fun. Yeah, <laughs> that would be. We should totally watch it again. It's been way too. Long. It's been a couple of years now, I think. And like the funny thing about that is that we know it's not a quality movie. We know it's bad, but there is still some enjoyment in just remembering how bad it is i don't know yeah. it, not even how bad it is but just remembering the memories of when it first came out yes and you know it's yes. not like we critically will you know rate this movie a 10 out of 10 and and say it's great because i liked it back in the day it's more like it's just fun to relive memories right yes there is like a time and place where nostalgia can be a fun little thing um 
anyways, that's we aren't we aren't saying that it's this great movie or anything. Can you think it came out like 2009 or something? Yeah, I think so. I'm friends with the director on Facebook. <laughs> he's, he's, he's still he never Dave finished this, never finished his book. I really wanted to read that. I know, dude. Story of Michael. <laughs> Story it of would Michael. have been. I I, well, I really would wanted have been to read it. Amazing. Um, yeah. no, I, I, you're right. Like I will still play. Rebel Assault 2. I will replay exactly. that game my entire life. And you might even say, dude, this game's awesome while you're playing it. <laughs> I will. And I'll have a good time, even though yeah. it isn't good. Right. Like, I here here's another thing. I um I was telling you about this, but uh I, I also posted this on Twitter and Facebook today. I got a Super Nintendo Mini and a oh, yeah, yeah. NES Mini. And um, spent basically all night last night modding them so I could add extra games. And yeah. one of the games that I put onto the Super Nintendo, do you remember us uh, emulating the Lord of the Rings on Super Nintendo? Oh my gosh, I forgot that existed. There was Dude. a Lord of the Rings game, wasn't there? Yes, there was. I, and it's atrocious. I... <laughs> it's so bad. But I was like immediately on it. Like that's has to go on because <laughs> I wanted to remember emulating that game <laughs> and and because because at the time we were just so into Lord of the Rings I know anything and we just was good, we just yeah. wanted more Lord of the Rings and so it was yeah. like we were getting into emulation at the time um and and you know playing old Super Nintendo stuff on ZS NES and it was just like, there's a Lord of the Rings game I can play on ZSNES. I got to see what this is all about. And just remembering laughing at how bad it was. Like, I was playing that a little bit last night and just remembering, really? like, holy crap, like, this game is so terrible. I have not even this thought about that game in probably 15 years. <laughs> wow. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of value uh, in... Just remembering the good times that you had, even with stuff that's so bad it's good kind of thing, right? right? Um, but I think that, of course, we can still draw the, the distinction between the quality of something like Rebel Assault 2 or even as bad as The Lord of the Rings on Super Nintendo, despite the good memories that we have associated with those right. things. And a legit timeless classic that like was a pop culture phenomenon just widespread just like sparked the imagination of millions and millions of people like final fantasy 7 right and 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 i i just can't fathom someone taking the position that all of you are misremembering what this game is because you're blinded by nostalgia. It's just such a lazy, lazy position to take. Right. Rather than to actually and, and say it's putting the burden on proof to proof of burden of proof onto you to prove that you're not yeah. blinded by nostalgia. Which, which you can't do. It's like, yeah, I was there when the game came out. But like what more can you possibly do than play the game again today and you know give your thoughts on it as as it plays today? I mean, clearly it was a cultural phenomenon. Like, obviously, there's more to it than what anybody else would just try to discard. But yeah. there's no way you can prove you're not nostalgic to these people. So it's <laughs> well, like a I'll... winning argument every time. It's stupid. Well, yeah. Uh, and of course, I am nostalgic for it. But that doesn't mean 
it's, it's like a false dichotomy. Like, if you have nostalgia for it, then obviously you misremember its greatness. Like, no, you can be nostalgic for something and also realize the greatness because it was great. Right. Now, that's not to say that everyone's mm-hmm. going to love Final Fantasy VII or even that it is, like, the best game of all time, right? Yeah. That's not to say that. I don't even think that. It's not my favorite game of all time. It's in my top five. It's not my absolute favorite game of all time. And... Uh, there could be very good arguments made that there are other Final Fantasies that are better than it. I I will concede that I think Final Fantasy IX is a better game right. than Final Fantasy VII overall. Not <laughs> I don't like it better, but I think that just looking at it from all aspects, I think that it's just a m- more well constructed game, uh, a more well realized game because it came later in the development cycle of that console. So, like, they had sort of figured a lot of things out, and it was a a smoother experience overall. But I look at games like um, Final Fantasy VII or um, Super Mario RPG, right, Um, that were beloved by a lot of kids back in that time um, that were simple. And, 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 you know, we, we sort of grew up, we became adults, we looked for more complex experiences, maybe um, more challenging experiences as we got older. And maybe some people go back and they go, wow, this is really easy. And it is. But these are also the same people who will say Suikoden is so amazing. Uh, and that's overlooked and that's underrated. And Final Fantasy VII is so overrated. And I'm playing through Suikoden right now. It's like one of the freaking easiest games I've ever played in my life. <laughs> in no way has that diminished my enjoyment of that game. Sure. I freaking love Suikoden. It's awesome. Like, mm. so much about it that it's just like, I don't know. It's just like, I just want to keep going. I just want to keep playing it, even though it's not like a necessarily super challenging game at all. There's only been like one boss fight in the game so far where I felt I felt a little nervous. Otherwise, it was just like, I use the same strategy in every fight. I use the same characters for the most part in every fight. And I get through it just fine. I don't really have to think too hard. But, you know, th- there are more elements to a game other than its complexity, its level of challenge or whatever that factor into why it was so great. And so much of that has to do with its uh, presentation and its music and its storytelling and the characters. I mean, with RPGs like that, it's all about these characters that you kind of like you know you fall in love with and uh and so i don't know all i'm trying to say is mm. is that if you play something that maybe it's pretty old and it's a, your first time playing it and you're not as impressed by it as like all of your friends and people around your in your communities or whatever telling you it is right don't default on the position that it's nostalgia, that everyone over there is wrong about this thing. You're, you guys told me this is great, and it's not that great. There could be legitimate reasons for thinking that. I could, I could make a video if I wanted to about all the reasons why Final Fantasy VII sucks. Uh, I, I could do that. I could make a case for why the game is not good, and I could point to all of its problems and, and build a case around that. If I wanted yeah. to do that, I could do that. Um, there are reasons to not like it, but to default on the position that the only reason why other people like the game is because they're blinded by nostalgia is just so lazy. Just don't do it. Don't, don't freaking do that. 
remember this fact because I think it is a fact. <laughs> Whatever game you like and are playing right now and think is really good right now, in 20 years, people will be laughing at the game that you like. Right <laughs> now. And that's yeah. even the case. Even a game like The Witcher 3 or something, just a game that's like, it's good for 2018, right? It's good, <clears throat> but there's a lot of character interactions. There's a lot, the way CG models like mm. kiss, or like the way that, <laughs> sure. you know, the way that you interact with the way you can't do certain things or the way your dialogue is so limited or the way people talk or whatever, just the way the graphics look, anything. People are going to be laughing about it in the future, saying, oh, man, I used to think this was awesome. But now we've got Witcher 8 and Witcher 3 stuff. <laughs> and like, people are going to do that. Whatever you like now in the future, people are going to laugh at. And like, you can be one of the people laughing because you're a dick, or you can just like get that that's how people are and just like... Don't just, just be nice. <laughs> just be nice <laughs> to people. Don't pretend that what you have is great and what they have sucks because one day people are going to tell you what you have right now sucks and you're going to try and defend it. Anyway. Well, and and what's so, you know, people get so defensive too, right? Like when someone comes in and they're like, yeah, this game's terrible for A, B, C, and D, and they're just going through. Maybe even they are actually qualifying it. They're not just dismissing with saying you're nostalgic or whatever. Yeah. But but why do people get, like, so offended and, like, personally, feel personally attacked by that? And I think it does have to do with the principle <laughs> of nostalgia we kind of, like, led this off with. During sure. your it's formative like years. Yeah. Yeah. During your formative mm -hmm. years, when you were creating your identity, this thing was a huge piece of that. Final Fantasy VII and The Lord of the Rings are probably, and I'll say uh, Ocarina of Time. Those Zelda, three, yeah. those three uh, things were some of the, I'll, I'll, I'll throw in as a bonus Prince of Persia. Um, sure. Those four things for me were so informative as to like what I decided I wanted to do. Like when I grew up, Kill like people. I want, <laughs> <laughs> yes. I wanted to um, be a storyteller. I wanted mm -hmm. to, whether that was filmmaking, whether that was uh, writing novels or whatever it was, like I wanted to make a story that made other people feel the way that I felt when I was playing those things. Like if I had not had those things in my life during that time, uh, I would not be the same person. I wouldn't have made the same decisions career-wise. I wouldn't have, you know, it, my life wouldn't have been the same. And yeah. the, a lot of people will think that's hyperbolic or silly to say that, like, uh, you know, they, these are just these are just stories. It's just entertainment. It's like it, it, you I mean on, to a certain degree, you're right. But uh, entertainment, ha especially during those years of your life, like it just like you 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 think about that stuff. It, it makes you. And you will forever. Some people who yeah. have like Alzheimer's or people with dementia, like some people yeah. in their 80s and 90s, they can't tell you what happened yesterday. They don't know if they took their medicine this morning. They don't know sometimes who you are. But if you can get and sometimes it's difficult. It depends on what stage, you know, it's progressed to. But if you can get people to talk and sometimes music is very therapeutic and gets people to remember stuff, they will tell you exactly what happened 50 years ago, you know, 60 yep. years ago in their teenage years, back when they were, you know, chasing girls or dancing or doing whatever, like they remember all of that stuff. 
But then as they've gotten older, they don't remember what happened yesterday. But th those are the, that's the time where those memories are like the most like impactful to who you are. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm. Um, so anyways, you guys can probably hear the, the music in the background. I can. I was going to ask about that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go close the door real quick. I'll be right back. Is that the church? Well, I have two doors. So there's, there's a guy playing drums. It's really freaking loud. Yeah. So where Mike's at, <coughs> right next to where he's at, there's actually a church in the building that moved in. That should And they've got like a full band. and Oh, it's great. All right. That should help. Okay, real quick, I wanted to read because there's some freaking genius, genius comments going on in the, the live stream here. Let's let's see it. So Riker's Beer says, the problem with nostalgia is that it's not what it used to be. <laughs> Isn't that great? Isn't that freaking smart? And then um Man, uh, nostalgia back in my day was way, way better. <laughs> it was so much better. <laughs> um okay, and then okay, real Dracula says nostalgia is overrated. Absolutely. Nostalgia depends on the nostalgia, I guess. <laughs> Each nostalgia is different. <laughs> um, J.R. Shire says, I, I will say nostalgia can at times prevent people from trying new or new things or treating new things on their own merit because they want the new thing to be the old thing without any due consideration. Um, still not relevant to us reviewing, you know, old games on our channel, but in terms of wanting the old to be the new. I mean, I could see that happens. That mostly happens with like older people though. Like my grandma, she watches TCM, the Turner classic movies, like all the time. Mm. And anytime I'm over yeah. at her place and TCM's going on, she just has yeah. to tell me that movies today aren't what they used to be. She has to do it. She can't not tell me that every single time I go over there. And it's, you know, black and white. Like they're great movies. I think there are some phenomenal movies from the 40s and 50s. But um it's 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 funny like there is a longing for the old especially as you get older uh people tend to become more conservative and more you know in tune with the past and uh i, I don't know if like 20 year olds or 30 year olds i don't know if that really applies there but i mean i you know there's something I, I can't, to be said for that it's it's definitely true that some people like have hold that sentiment. Like there are some diehard old school Final Fantasy fans who just will not accept a new Final Fantasy game unless it goes back to overworld maps and turn-based combat and the 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 classes, the the you know the traditional classes. Um, unless it's made in that vein, then to them it's not Final Fantasy, right? Right. I I don't get that like I'm totally on board with them like kind of moving in a different direction so long as again like it's just well done it's just good right. whatever that they they set out to do they did it well and it it's it's engaging and it's fun and the it's well yeah. told story and you hear that Square Enix you go out there and you make Final <laughs> Fantasy 16 the best first person shooter that anyone's ever <laughs> <laughs> hey man, if it's a great Do first it. person, I mean, obviously there are limits to obviously how, it still how, needs to be what it is. How wild they can run off the rails <laughs> with it. But yeah. Um yeah, there are certainly some people who like they want something done in a certain way. 
and they're stubborn about, they're not open-minded to innovations or changes or evolutions, and, and they just want it to be done exactly the way it was done when they were kids, when games were were actually good and you know mm-hmm. and what they like with your grandma when movies were good and, yep but it's and like it just if, so happened that movies were only good when she was in her teens and 20s i know right i mean that's coincidence i maybe it's just a coincidence <laughs> uh, she just happened to be alive when the greatest well, movies were being made imagine dang imagine if movies had continued to be made in exactly the same way all the way to today and had never changed. And we were still watching black and white films and, mm. and mostly like uh, musicals, single, single <laughs> camera angle, you know, kind of like yeah, just directed yeah, at the shot. stage, long shots, yeah. you know? Um, and you wouldn't have like Jurassic park and like, yeah. see like the, the amazing leaps forward and CGI that that took place with like the dinosaurs. You wouldn't have like, just so many like incredible innovations in film that led to some of the best films of all time. Right. And like the same is true in everything. Like there, there has to be space for evolution and for change, but it's true that we tend to be nostalgic. We tend to long for a time in the past when we were in our formative years, finding out who we were and like all of that was fresh and exciting to to like discover and like this new stuff you just it's not quite as exciting to discover now it's like we feel like we've been there before we've seen it and we've seen it, it better true, yeah. in our time right yeah and it, it was, was better it was yeah. it was because it was the first time we had experienced it something right. like that but in any case <clears throat> i don't think we'll make a video on this topic <clears throat> <clears throat> but it is something that's been on my mind if because we, can we do, get it like, so often, if, we... What would have to happen? Maybe what? When Final Fantasy VII finally comes out for the remake, we could probably revisit this topic in a video. I like uh, Edge, Edge, Edgezor, Edgezors says games were only good when they were on the smartphone. <laughs> Speak the truth, my friend. <laughs> Riker's beard worded that awkwardly, but you need to take into account the time it came out and the audience it was originally targeted to. No, mm. I think so, but I don't think that you necessarily. You I don't do. think that you necessarily have to in order to enjoy something like, like for instance, um, I I went back and played uh, Super Mario RPG. Well, maybe that's not the best comparison because i was still there at the time the super mario rpg came out and i played games uh, during that era so i have like a an understanding of the time period but i can still go back and listen to my dad's music i can still go back and watch movies from my grandpa's era and like them like legitimately like them not like them with an asterisk on it for the time yeah (laughs) not not be like this was this was good especially considering all of its limitations and the fact that it's in black and white and they didn't really like have the capability to do, to do night shoots at the time. And so, you know, I don't, I don't put an asterisk on things like that. I can, right. I can go back and watch a really old movie and be like, that was fantastic. That was phenomenal. Regardless of its place in history or whether or not, that would hold up today. Like that's not even a question in my mind. Right. Right. Um, 
I and I feel like there are games from the old school era we grew up in that sort of transcend time like that. That it doesn't matter whether or not you can appreciate pixel art <laughs> or whether or not you grew up with it, I should say. Right. It's still beautiful art. Like, it just looks freaking sweet. It's ob- almost objectively amazing looking right. piece of art. <laughs> and it's, it just, it's just really cool what they made. Um, that's how I feel about a lot of, a lot of those uh, old Square RPGs. I just think that there was something really special about them that, that went beyond, like, the console or the, the hardware they were working on or the limitations they faced along the way. And was all about just the raw creativity and and the the ideas coming together and being executed really well. Um, so I don't know, like a lot of people do that. They'll they'll kind of like put an asterisk next to a game that they play and be like, yeah, for I, cons- if I consider like the fact that this is really old and they didn't have the capability to do this and that, yeah, it's it's good. It's like no, it's just good. <laughs> It's just, it's just it's it's just great. Like just... it is what it is, and it's good. <laughs> like, like um, like there are a lot of modern games coming out now, like Golf Story or Hyper Light Drifter or um, games that are designed to be, uh, the look of stuff from twenty years ago. And you wouldn't mm. say, oh, it's good for its time because its time is now. Those games came out like now, mm. and so you can't just say it's good for its time. You have to just say it's good. And why can't you just do that with the old stuff too? Because that is like the look. That's just how games can look sometimes. Mm. Colonia springs up uh, Crosscode, another uh, game done in that vein as well. Um, mm. Yeah, uh, see, Edge. You know I remember. What, Go ahead. Sometimes, sometimes um, you can. Like, sometimes you. Sometimes things really were better back when you were younger. (laughs) And this is one of the funny things that I think, so I'm going to tell a brief story here from the 1400s. It's not really a story. I'm just going to tell you what happened. Basically, scientists started doing certain things with the scientific method like a couple hundred years ago and learned that, you know, the, the solar system is not geocentric. It's not, things don't rotate around Earth. The Earth actually rotates around something else. And then that thing rotates around something else. And that realization kind of like shook all of society and made everybody really, well, made scientists particularly very weary of any claim that, that uh, we are special, that humans are special, that earth is special, that everything revolves around us. Right. So Mm -hmm. anytime there's any like idea, like with the, is there life out in outer space? Well, most scientists will tell you yes, not because they know anything, but they'll just say, well, we just don't want to think that we are special because that's that's done us damage in the past. That's that's mm-hmm. hindered our scientific progress and quest for knowledge in the past by assuming that we're special. Um, so they'll say, yes, there is probably life outside of us, uh, but we don't really know that. And it's entirely possible, though, that we are special. <laughs> it is a possibility that we are special. And that there is not intelligent life anywhere else in the in the universe, right? It's possible. And so, like, let's take the example of somebody who was alive around 1500 AD, and they saw a Shakespeare play, right? 
and Shakespeare did this and that. And then they died at like 1560, right? And they were like, man, plays were so much better when I was younger, when Shakespeare was the playwright. Now, I don't know the history of plays, but I'm going to assume that Shakespeare was was the best for his time period and that the people who came after him weren't as good. And that's why they're not famous. And he is. That's an assumption I'm making. Um, Only if you were a hipster. There was obviously obviously better underground artists. Yeah, there were probably tons (laughs) of underground playwrights that were way better. But (laughs) somehow... Shakespeare was overrated, dude. Who happened to be coming of age when Shakespeare was writing plays will actually objectively have been at the golden age of playwriting. Sure. And they really are right in a, it art isn't objective ever, but that they, you, you could say that they were right, that the plays really were better when they were younger, right. Or back in the day, hundreds of years ago. So some, it like, it's possible <laughs> I, I'm just introducing the idea that it's possible when people say this was better in my day that they are actually right. But the probability is extremely low because well, like you're you're not special. Like you're special, but you're not that special. You're not so special that everything happened at its peak when you happened to be in your formative years. Oh, you're probably not that lucky either. I'll but intercede. it's possible with this point on uh, yeah. in regard to that first of all riker's beard says is case in implying that flat earthers <laughs> are blinded by nostalgia <laughs> they are nostalgia <laughs> for a thousand <laughs> they just want to believe they're special <laughs> don't hurt them um <laughs> no but uh, i think that uh i'm i'm the type of person who will say that like hollywood was better during my young years than it is today. Like the, 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 the kinds of films that they are making were, were much better. And I think that, but what I would be like laying the premise of that argument on is more or less just like the priority. Um, you, you, you had just, I don't know, like there's a certain emphasis on a certain type of storytelling a certain heart to it, I guess, right? That is missing and, and character development, like character development's a big part of it, right? Because it used to be Hollywood movies. This is a generalized statement. It's not all, but you had three, Hashtag not all movie. you had three big action set pieces in the movie. You usually let off with one. You'd have one somewhere in the middle and then you have your big, like, one at the end of the movie that rises to your at the end, yeah. cl- climax, right? And then yeah. in between those three action scenes, you'd have lots of character moments to like get to know the people. It's paced in such a way to where you can really like learn to care about yeah. them. And somewhere, I don't know when exactly, Marvel movies had a big impact on it. Now it's like there's yeah. five or six or seven action scenes in a movie. And there's such little time for the same level of character development in these movies, mm, yeah. right? So yeah. I, I could say movies and Hollywood, that the Hollywood was making, the blockbuster Hollywood movies were better in my day than they are today. But that's because I'm prioritizing character development, like 
lots of time devoted to character development. But someone today could argue, but the action is way better. Like the the depends on what you care about. It, it, well, cinematography wise, it isn't. <laughs> Like yeah. the action is not shot well, but no, I guess what I'm saying is that hand. it's all handheld now. It's yeah. Yeah. Let's say it's excitement rather than the execution of action from a filmmaking or technical standpoint, but the, the, the excitement, right. There's way you know, more you excitement. Agree with this, but that today. also same could be said of music with the Hans yeah. Zimmer direction mm-hmm. that music has gone. And then the John mm-hmm. Williams tradition. Um, uh, someone said that Hollywood was never any good. That is not true. Uh, when freaking E.T. was coming out, when freaking like, <laughs> yeah. um, when Jurassic Park was coming out, when he had blockbusters like that, Star Wars, like Indiana Jones, Indiana Jones, like these movies were great movies, dude. Uh, yeah. Blockbuster movies from the late 70s, all through the 80s, and then through, like, the 90s. Yeah, late 90s. Up until, basically, until Lord of the pretty, Rings. <laughs> pretty fantastic. Lord of the Rings kind of, like, ended <laughs> anything after that. They are like, we can't top that, so we're just going to do something else. Right. Uh, Real Dracula is also saying, oh, I don't like Hans Zimmer's direction, right? Okay, so, yeah, there could be an argument made, but it's really just an, a matter of priority. Like right. I'm actually not on the side of people who who prefer and 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 would rather have one or the other in terms of music direction. I'm actually totally okay with Hans Zimmer's music because of I I think he accomplishes what he's trying to do. He's not right. trying to write a lasting melody that you're going to go buy the soundtrack and you're going to stick that in, you're going to listen to that melody and, and sing mm-hmm. that to yourself. It's not the purpose. Like the, his goal is to create the feeling in the music that uh, you're supposed to sort of like feel in that moment. And so a lot you of times, you could that's... also probably make that argument with cinematography today too. Even in sure. the fight scenes, the fact that it's handheld and shaky, and it's not as good and as well, um, what's the word, blocked as it used to mm-hmm. be. Um, but it evokes the frantic emotions that you're supposed sure. to be feeling. So it's like, sure. I don't know. So anyways, long tangent. My point is that like <laughs> going back to your point about Shakespeare and whether or not there was a golden age and things really were better at the time. It's like they, they were better at what they prioritized, what they focused on. Right. So mm-hmm. like, Marvel movies today are way better at what they focus on, which is just bombastic, absolutely off the wall, crazy action. And just like thing, like things you couldn't even imagine shooting or trying to, to do in a film 20 years ago, it just would not have been possible. Right. Well, let's say yeah. 25 or 30, um, that they're able to do today. And it's like, that's, that's what the audience is going there for. That's what they, they, you know, they can get, cause, cause the entertainment business is so different today. You can get your long form storytelling from Netflix and HBO and all that stuff from your, from your house. So you want something with deeper character development, uh, maybe more involved storytelling. You can do that from your couch. If I'm going to go into the movie theater, I better be blown away. I think that that's kind of the mentality of moviegoers yeah. today, and it's like yeah. this better this better completely blow my mind and yeah, be you something. You don't need a theater 
for a good story. Yeah. The way that maybe you used to. You need but, a theater for the experience. The, 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 the big, um, impacting sound design and, and the, the, the huge visuals in the movie theater, you know, lend itself, I think, to this change in direction. Anyways, point I'm trying to make is movies are better today at what they're trying to do today, even though I don't like it. I, you don't I value would rather, yeah, yeah. I don't value that. Yeah. I value what they used to do better. That's so, a better way of looking at it, honestly. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. So we've got a shaky cameras or a disease from Colonials. I tend to agree with that. Uh, Nara Vereen King says these films are, there are films like The Raid that have pretty awesome fight cinematography. I think The Raid is one of the best movies ever made. Raid's great. So if you guys are into fight movies at all, watch The Raid. It's, I believe, Indonesian. And it's it might be the best action movie ever made in terms of the action and in terms of the way that it's filmed and the choreography of the fights. It's, it's well, unbelievable. Asian, Asian filmmaking. They, they tend they, to have longer they, shots. They, they do don't tend to do the born identity stuff. And this is, I think a lot yeah. of it's born from Jackie Chan's style. Yeah. Right? Jackie and, Chan, and like Bruce the long camera stuff, angles. Right? Yeah. Like the long shots. They, they have sort of developed a style of shooting action that lends itself to seeing the action and yeah. like following it very well. Because um, they can actually do that stuff. Because they are doing it for real, and yeah, it's really impressive. Yeah. you got to be able to see that crap. Yeah. Whereas American filmmaking... we got freaking and, Matt Damon, who can't like do anything, and we've got to make him look cool. Or Liam and, Neeson, this and, old guy. We're trying to make him into an action hero. So when Jackie Chan would make a movie, right, he would shoot one scene over and over and over and yeah, over like and over takes, and over. Yeah. And for a month, they yeah. would try and shoot that one scene. And and they're like, go for it, and man! Like, his here's your money. Like, just make it awesome. You do your thing. But the 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 shooting schedules are so much more regimented and tight in in Hollywood. And it's like you got to get this thing done as quickly as possible and stay on schedule. And you don't have you you can't afford to sit there for six hours doing one shot until you get yeah. it right. Jackie Chan doesn't nail that stuff on one take. No, <laughs> he, he doesn't. He yeah. doesn't. 500 times before he gets the one that he that that works and it's it's a very involved process so anyways um it's just a different style of filmmaking but yeah in terms of action movies i think that asian films are i per i value the the techniques of filmmaking being done in asian films for action (laughs) than in american films right me too me too at the moment okay Oh, we got a, a Twitch Prime subscription? Yeah, we've gotten a couple, actually. Uh, Colonia, uh, Real Dracula, and... So, so, guys, explain what this means to me. You you guys subscribed. What, is, what does that mean? <laughs> I think because Twitch Prime is the paid thing. I think I it's your Amazon Prime. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how it works. Oh, Ronin7Z ex- also um, subscribed. Thank you for subscribing. Yes, thank you. Guys, if, if you have Twitch Prime or if you have Amazon Prime and are using Twitch, subscribe to our channel. <laughs> Do it. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know what it means. So maybe someone can explain to me. Uh, I don't exactly. What, what you're providing and then I can thank you sufficiently. But I, I do know <laughs> you have to be a, you have to pay in order to get um, subscribed nowadays or something like that. 
Twitch Prime equals one free sub per month. So one free subscription. Free, free in in what sense? What's oh, free? You have to manually sub every month. Oh, weird. Oh, apparently we get a small amount of their Prime thing. Huh? That's interesting. Well, oh, what's, uh, what's up? Uh, what's up, said? Um, Amazon yeah. Prime. I I need to um I need to get back with you about uh, writing the section you were going to write for the Final Fantasy XI review. Um, ah. yeah, it was, it was a good time. It was a good time, even though I'm not a big fan of the game, but I, I enjoyed talking with you though, back when we were getting on every Sunday and playing Final Fantasy 11. Um, I'm bringing up John Wick and I, I still have not seen that movie, but I have heard oh, that it's dude. phenomenal. So I do not like John Wick one. Really? Actually, I don't really like either of them that much, <laughs> but there's some freaking sweet Cause he does that for real. He's trained with like he the actually, guns and yeah. stuff. He he's actually like a marksman in real life. So like it's all that stuff he's doing. Asian, maybe there's <laughs> something there. We're talking about You're Asian right. filmmaking. But the action is is really good in those John Wick movies. The second yeah. one is like just freaking nuts. Just nuts. Just so cool. But I don't know. I'm not really big the biggest fan of the movies themselves. But yeah, again. I haven't seen him, but I have a feeling I will really like them. I think you'd like Keanu Reeves. I, he's I think you'd like him. He is a beast. He's a beast. He's a beast in the real. Yeah, in the he's real. a beast in his movies. Even in the movies where he's not good, he's like fun to watch because he's so bad that he's good kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, especially in anything he does that's like more of a drama. But yeah, he, he doesn't do that as much I guess, anymore. <laughs> Uh, okay, let's move into the last couple questions. We'll just uh, go through these quickly. These are both from the man, yeah. the myth, the Moham. Okay. First one goes, and this is kind of tied into what we were talking about. When looking back at old games and franchises such as Metal Gear Solid and Metroid, do you focus on the impact it had at the time or how well it compares to later games in determining its legacy? You have to do both. Both. You have to do both because you can't ignore either side of that like spectrum you have to say this is what it was for its time and this is how it compares to the modern stuff you have to because otherwise pong is the greatest game ever made because you you can only analyze it for its time period and for its time period you know you have to at some point be able to say yeah pong and compared to now pong's still like kind of fun yeah i don't know i tend to I tend to lean on looking at games more on an individual basis. Like, did it accomplish what it set out to do? Um, what were its right, goals? Pong, dude. Pong is the best game ever made. Did exactly what it was, what it was trying to do. <laughs> exactly. Um, perfect execution. Um, I think so. No, but evaluating, like, and this is why in my review <laughs> videos, I do the retrospective part of it first, right? Because I, I try to set up, like, oh, yeah. what what was the aim of the creator like what right. were they what was what was their vision what were they yeah, what trying to make the and then you can determine okay here's what we've got did they succeed you know here's where they succeeded here's maybe where they they fell a little bit short i think that um evaluating something based on its own merit its own goals what its own creators had in mind for the time uh, generally speaking, is a better way to go than to trying to compare it to something that 
was not even conceived for 15 years later. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. You know what I mean? And, and obviously had greater tools and the benefit of um, advanced technology and all kinds of stuff to like turn it into something bigger and more epic or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, you still, when you're determining the legacy of a series, you have to take into account all the parts of that series. So, um, but generally I, I, I like to look at things on a more individual level. Um, yeah. <coughs> okay. I think specifically, if you're talking for most games, you kind of have to do that. But I think specifically when you're talking about franchises like Metal yeah. Gear, you, you do have to at some point bring in the comparisons of what it has become yeah and whether those were improvements or or not yeah i think that it's it's more helpful to look back to the especially the exact one previous to it sure for evaluating final fantasy 7 let's look at final fantasy 6 what did they decide to change yeah um like a great example they changed they they still had like materia and magicite are a similar kind of idea right so it's like here's some of the things that changed about it here's some of the things that are similar did i like the things that they altered did it improve it um same with like the coliseum in final fantasy 6 versus the um the gold saucer battle arena in final fantasy 7 which i think was a vast improvement the battle arena still has that element of chance still has that element of randomness with the um the slots that give you the different uh, status ailments and stuff like that while you're trying to fight through, but you're still in control of your character. You still choose the actions. Whereas in the Coliseum, they would just randomly do any number of the million abilities they might have at, in their arsenal. You had no control over it, right? So you just had no control over whether you won or lost. However, it was all about being a gamble. So I, I see that angle. But anyways, so when you're when you're looking at a franchise, right? I think it is necessary to some degree to make comparisons to the ones that came before and see like okay where are they going with this what how are they trying to shift it or evolve it or change and do those changes remain in the spirit of the thing um or has it damaged it to the point where it doesn't feel like it's the same thing anymore it doesn't feel like it belongs um anyways cool um and then last question Oh, actually, there is one more other thing I'm going to do. Dang it, I meant to do this at the beginning. I'll edit this so that it's at the beginning. <laughs> okay. Um, but after we get to this question, at what point do you feel like a prequel is too fanservice-y, and what values do you look for in a prequel? Huh. Um, I have a pretty good answer for this one, I suppose. Um for it. In a prequel, I look for something. I don't like fan service at all in prequels, actually, because what I value in a lot of stories and part of why I'm basically done watching the new Star Wars movies. I, I don't think I'll watch another one um, ever. <laughs> yep, I'm I, I didn't watch this new Han Solo. And like one of the things I, I really I don't like fan service. Basically at all, um, I want con- continuity in the world, and this may come from me reading Tolkien and valuing his approach to crafting a story or crafting a a bunch of stories um, because it just felt so complete in a way that I, I I don't really get that from almost anywhere else. It's basically just him, but other people who try to do that or who approach 
<laughs> his level of continuity. I, I appreciate that. Now, George Lucas didn't have like the greatest continuity. He kind of changed things up as he went, right? <laughs> but it's him. It's it's his story. And I have to trust that that he knows the plan for things going forward. When you get in Star Wars Episode 3, Yoda being <clears throat> like, this is Chewbacca. This is this is Chew this is the Chewbacca from what you will see in the next film. Look at him. Behold his Chewbacca-ness. And it's like, do, I don't need that because it makes it feel as though the prequel was planned after Star Wars Episode Four came out yes. and was a hit, and Chewbacca yes. was important. And then it's like, oh, and now we're gonna put him in in the prequels, but it's like, okay, he may have actually been there, but the fact that Yoda even called him his name or in, I don't know, it's just like, it just doesn't work because it doesn't feel as though it was planned from the get go from the start that this whole thing was continuously planned. And with the, what Disney's doing with star Wars now, I mean, it's not that the movies are absolutely terrible. I don't feel that way at all. I just, it's George Lucas is not, it's just not, it doesn't feel planned anymore. It's like, they're going to take each movie as it comes and, do something new and it's like no what i value is the continuity of something that was planned from the beginning and we're just watching it unfold if you're changing the story as you're going i i just don't like that i i don't feel that i it's worth my time to invest in a story that that changes that much and that was one of the issues i have with like a lot of television that goes on for like 10 seasons it's like you did not plan 10 seasons you may have planned two and you're just trying to fill everything up to the very end because you didn't realize that you had a hit on your hands that was going to take this long to, yeah. to make, right? Now, mm -hmm. it's stuff like Game of Thrones, sure. Th those were books that obviously had a continuous place. But once the once they get beyond the books, it's like, well, I actually, I mean, I don't care. I really just don't care because I only care about like the single person who is crafting this world to begin with. That's what I value. So fan service to me is almost always a hearkening at something added later to hearken back to what they, the marketing people determined that fans liked the most from the original. And I hate it because it doesn't feel continuous. Yeah. That, that bothers me a lot too, where um, <coughs> they're making a prequel, right? And, and, and yeah. the entire like purpose intuitively of making a prequel is because there's context that needs to be explained in order for what happens here to be fully understood or or yeah enjoyed or whatever right like mm -hmm. we need this information in order for this to completely work which in a lot of ways the star wars prequels did their job in that sense in terms of giving us darth vader's backstory that actually kind of works when episode six comes around. I'm not going to say it was perfectly executed, but at least it was the plan. It was part of the plan going forward. <laughs> well, like to me, it's like that's, that should be the premise. That should be the reason why you decide it's necessary to make a prequel. But then when you fill that prequel full of references to the other thing, and it's like the whole thing is just a, hey, remember this character? Remember how much you liked him and that thing? Mm -hmm. He's here too. Hey, remember how like that character had like a pair of dice hanging around in the, here's how we got the dice. And it's like, that's totally unnecessary. 
irrelevant. There's no way it was possibly planned from the beginning to to show that pointless thing to care about. No one cares about the damn dice. Like, why are we exploring this story? What what context does this give me? That's going to enrich the other experience or make it more meaningful or deepen it in some way, right? Yeah. You talked about Tolkien oh, and, and the Silmarillion. Its mm-hmm. entire purpose is to make the Lord of the Rings deeper. You, yeah. you read the Silmarillion and then you read the Lord of the Rings and you go, holy crap, this? Holy crap, this? Yeah, yeah. Wait a minute, that? Oh, this song is reference to this? Wait a minute, this place? I know what happened at that place. Like, this happened there. That's why it's significant. Holy crap, this is crazy. And, it, and every step of the way, it, it, this is why I love it, actually. Here's a really good example. The first time you re- read the, uh, the Lord of the Rings, let's say, um, I'm going to assume 99% of people read the Lord of the Rings before they read the Silmarillion. Oh, yeah. So you read, the, you read the Lord of the Rings. You were witnessing that story from the perspective of Frodo and the Hobbits, who had very little understanding of all the stuff that had happened in the world. Yeah. Right? So they're going through. They're ignorant of how much danger they're in. They're ignorant of a lot of things, and they're sort of just like catching glimpses of it as they go through that world. Then you go read the Silmarillion. You read the appendices. You read all the stories leading up to that. Now you're experiencing the story from the, the perspective of Gandalf who knows all this stuff and realizes the danger and yeah. every step of the way knows the significance of all these things that they're coming across. No, has a plan for like why he's doing what he's doing. And it's like, you're the whole thing just flips on its head. It's like, wow, mm. I just got a totally different experience from reading the same thing. That's insane. That's what a good prequel does, right? Sure. That's the, yeah. a purpose of a good prequel. If the prequel is actually being made to be a cash cow from seeing the character you really like when he was young, just cause, <laughs> then it's just full of moments that feel cheap and hollow and contrived like that. Because it's just like, remember this? Remember how you liked that in that other movie? Well, guess what? It's in this one, too. Cool. Why? <laughs> yeah, does it fit? Should it be in this one? Well, well. It's not a story. It's just too much. It's just like <clears throat> it's just like uh it's just like a sequence of references. Remember this? Remember this? Remember that? Remember that? Remember that? That was cool, wasn't it? Remember this? It's so cheap, and I hate that. So um, the, the, the more of that that exists in a prequel, the less I like it. Um, that's, I guess that's really all there is to say about that. That's my answer. To yeah. That. <laughs> there you go. Me too. We did it. We, we chopped that one down. Okay. That's it for today, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for subscribing. We had a bunch of people subscribe. Yeah. Thank you. Um, well, subscriptions are open now, so it must've worked. Whatever I did. When I decided that we were uh, um, affiliated now on Twitch, so um, thank you for your for your continued support. Um, if anyone happened to miss the announcements, I made announcements everywhere. I made them on Discord. I made them on Twitter. I made them on Facebook. I made it on YouTube itself, not in a video form, but in a community post. 
Mm. Um, we're we're not going to be uploading the podcast to, to the main Resonant Arc YouTube channel anymore. It's going to be going on the Resonant Archive channel. So our, our secondary archive channel called Resonant Archive. Um, Book Club will also be uploaded there. So if you guys want to watch those on YouTube, go subscribe to the Resonant Archive channel. Another cool benefit to being subscribed to the Resonant Archive channel, if any of you want to make videos on these classic games that we play i have they're unlisted videos but the the playlists are public for all my game footage i i tend to upload my game footage at a high quality to that channel so if you want to make videos on xenogears i got my entire xenogears playthrough in high definition that you can download and use the footage for if you'd like to do that um so we have tons of playlists that, that that channel was meant to be an archive in that way so that we could go back and grab footage from stuff if we ever needed to use it. I've got an entire playthrough of Ocarina of Time on there, Horizon Zero Dawn, I don't even know what else, Shadows of Mordor, <laughs> Suicoden right now, Vagrant Story, like tons of different stuff. Tons of different games. So if you want game footage, cool. you can go grab it from our archive channel as well. Uh, download how? Um, there are... There are lots of ways, but uh, you could also just screen capture uh, while you're playing the video. I do that sometimes. I just use OBS. So I'll just like open the video in full screen and I'll just like hit record on OBS and I'll just like record the piece that I want and then I'll just stop recording and bam, I got it. I got the clip that I need, right? So there are many different ways. Um, anyways, you guys are beasts. We'll talk to you again soon. Uh, actually on Tuesday for book club. So. Oh yeah. See you then. Peace out.